the Cornerstone Community Church in Simi Valley, just over the hill, little suburb of Santa Barbara. No, not really. Uh, Francis Chan is uh, one of the men I heard speak last semester, my, well, semester before last, my first year. And uh, I want you to know I'm not asking him to speak this morning because he's an incredibly good speaker uh, or because he uh, pulled a chicken leg out of his pocket in chapel last year and ate it in front of us. It kind of grossed me out, Francis. That was a little heavy for me. I don't like chicken that much. So anyway, but no, he's here because uh, two things. Uh, I really trust him to uh, faithfully open the word of God and speak it with uh, conviction and the power of the Spirit. And secondly, because I believe uh, God has given Francis an insight into our times and a message that uh, really needs to be preached. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a heart that beats with, uh, with the heart of God. And I'm embarrassing him by saying these good things about him, but uh, I am so glad to have you here with us this morning, Francis. And uh, I'm going to pray God's blessing, and then would you just uh, give Francis a good welcome? Welcome to Westmont after I pray. Father, your word is truth. You teach, you rebuke, you correct, you train in righteousness. Lord, do all of those today so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the name of your Son, amen. Let's welcome Francis. All right, it's cool to be back. Are you guys on? Am I on? Okay. It's good to be back. Uh, you guys, I graduated from Bible College back in uh, 1989. Graduated from the Master's College. And uh, we used to lose to you guys in everything. I don't know if we still do. But uh, do we? Do you guys beat Master's still? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. But uh, anyways, I, it was such a great time in my life when I graduated in 1989. Because I went into, uh, I went into Bible College not really sure where my life was headed, you know, I didn't have a ton of direction in my life, but when I left in 1989, it was like my life was set for me. I knew exactly what I was going to do. You know, I, I graduated with a youth ministry degree, and uh, back then they had such a big emphasis on being a youth pastor for life, you know, not using it as a stepping stone. So I knew, it's like, this is so cool, I've got direction for my life, I am going to be a youth pastor for the rest of my life. And I'd met a girl there, you know, when I was in college. Um, and uh, by the time I graduated, it was like, I found the woman I'm going to marry. You know, so I had everything, I, everything was set. When I got my diploma, you know, shook his hand and everything, it was like, I know what I'm going to do in life. I'm going to be a youth pastor for life. I'm going to marry this girl and have an awesome family, everything else. And uh, about a year later, I left youth ministry, uh, never to return. And it was about the same time that uh, my fiancé left me, never to return. And, uh, and I was like, I know. She's stupid, huh? But uh, the whole, uh, that whole thought of, of oh, I'm just kidding. Now she, she, you know, she was fine for someone else. But, uh, but the whole thought of, it, it, it stunk because here I was graduating from college thinking I had my whole life figured out. I'm going to be a youth minister forever. I'm going I'm to marry this woman and be with her forever. And then just a year later, all those plans were completely different. It says in James chapter 4, verse 13, it says, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. 
The Bible says right in Scripture, it goes, come on, you guys, you're making these plans of what you're going to do next year, where you're going to go, you know, uh, what type of job you're going to have, who you're going to marry, this or that. We, we make all these plans in Bible college, and yet what Scripture says is you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I think if there's one thing that God's been teaching me over the years, um, and especially this last year, is how quickly things can change. In your life. I mean, you, you guys probably, everyone in this room probably has plans for this next year and assuming what's going to happen just this very year in 2002. And you have these ideas of what's, what's going to take place, and yet we've got to remember things change so quickly. We went to bed on September 10th thinking, eh, just another night. Wasn't it amazing how the next morning it was like everything is totally different? I mean, you remember the moment when you heard the news? I was actually in, uh, in Ventura. I just drove in, uh, to C Street, and uh, I was going surfing. And, uh, you know, we got to that booth, and, you know, we're walking out, and the guy's like, uh, do you guys know what's going on? I'm like, no, he tells us everything. I'm thinking, no way. I surfed anyways, because, I mean, what am I going to do about it? So I, I surfed, and, you know, and then I, I you know, went home. But, but the whole time, I'm just thinking, man, I can't believe how quickly everything happened. I mean, that whole ordeal. You know, as, as we looked at last year, it's like, man, that was so crazy. Everything changed in a moment. I mean, if you were tr to try to guess, okay, what are the major world events that are going to take place this year, 2002, what would you say? <laughs> no clue. After that, we realized how crazy life is and how quickly everything changes. And uh, I, I guess what God's been teaching me is that it wasn't just about that that was crazy, but... You, the thing I'm learning is every single day is crazy. Every single day. I mean, do you realize, I mean, when you just think about what's going on right now, do you realize that right now you're sitting on an earth that is spinning at a thousand miles an hour? That's crazy. I'm just thinking, that's no big deal. Of course. But not only that, but right now, the earth is spinning around the sun. We're flying around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour right now. Feel it? <laughs> We're flying at 67,000 miles an hour this very second. We're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, and we think that's normal. <laughs> think about this, you guys. Do you realize how big the sun is? If, uh, if this little, uh, I've got a BB here in my pocket amongst all the lint, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this little BB, if this represented the earth, do you realize that the sun is 1.3 million times the size of the earth? If the sun were hollow, the earth would fit inside of the sun 1.3 million times. Okay, I, I brought uh, a little ball with me. Um, now, here's the idea. Think about this, you guys. Here's the earth. This is where we are sitting right now. Right now, you and I are spinning at 1,000 miles an hour. We're flying around this ball of fire at 67,000 miles an hour right now. If we were just a tiny bit closer, we would burn. If we were just a little bit further away, we would freeze. But, but the sun has this magnetic force that pushes us just far enough away so that we don't burn. And yet the earth has this gravitational pull that keeps us just close enough so that we don't freeze. 
And so here we are on this earth, just in the right spot, flying around this thing at 67,000 miles an hour. And we think this is normal. You guys, every single second of our lives is crazy. Do you recognize how many things have to work just perfectly? How many things have to work just perfectly for you and I to be living and breathing on this earth this very second? Everything in our human bodies that has to function just right. Every single organ that has to just work perfectly that we don't even think about. Just so that we could be alive right here this very second. It's amazing. You don't even recognize everything that's functioning in your body for you to live and breathe right now until you meet someone who's going through a hard time physically. I remember there's this guy in my church, uh, Tim Love, who uh, his kidneys, you know, he, he, his kidneys just kept failing. And so he was doing this dialysis thing. And I used to just, just go to the hospital where he would sit on this machine and just have all of his blood pumped out. It was like every other day for like three or four hours just to have his blood cleansed. And, and that's the only way he could live. He could only take like little sips of water. He could drink like half a cup of water through the whole day. That's all the liquid he could have. And so he would just take like one ice chip, you know, for that first hour, another chip the next. And he says, man, all these things you just take for granted. And his health is just getting worse and worse and worse. Why? Because of his kidney. I don't think about my kidneys. I remember when he, he got a transplant and he, he went to UCLA and, uh, you know, they found this exact donor finally. You know, he'd been waiting for years for this transplant. And it ended up this, this little like a seven-year-old girl. Here's a 40-year-old man, and they took this kidney from the seven-year-old girl, and they put it inside of him. And just watching how his body was rejecting this kidney, it wasn't working, you know, because it had to grow and expand and fill his body, then eventually it worked. But I just, just watch him come so close to death. So many times his body is just refusing this organ that he's trying to put in there. And now... You know, as a grown man, he's, he's, it fit, it worked, it, it's perfect. He's absolutely normal. He gets moody like once a month now. But uh, other than that, no, I'm kidding. No, but it, uh, but, no, he doesn't. But uh, it's just an amazing, amazing ordeal how you just think, gosh, I don't ever think about anything that's going on in my body. And yet... I think of just even getting here this morning. I mean, how many people, how many people did I have to trust with my life just to get here today? Every single car I pass could have just turned just the littlest bit and boom, my life's over. You guys, every moment, every day is just crazy. What we call normal is not normal. And what scripture says here is this, come on, you're making plans for years from now? You're figuring out this or that. He says, you don't even know what your life will be like tomorrow. And then he says this. He says, what is your life? He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears. He goes, what's your life? He goes, your life is like a mist. What is a mist? He says, this is your life. This is you. Okay? There you go. That's it. That's what Scripture says. You're a mist that appears a little while. I'm going to spray more of this where Ben was. But uh, you got, you're there for a second. 
You're there for a second, you know, and everyone sees you. And then he says, boom, your life is over. That's all you are. And sometimes we take ourselves so seriously and just think, gosh, you know, I have so many plans for the future. I have this, this, and this. And, and we've got to just humble ourselves and remind ourselves, wait a second. I could be gone today. You ever an experience like that? Where you have a friend that you go, I just talked to him. I just talked to her. And now that her life is completely over? That's it? I'll never forget uh, being out in, in Spain, speaking at this military camp a few years ago. And, uh, and, and it, was, it was the coolest camp because, you know, they, they call me up and say, hey, would you be willing to fly out to this island out in the Mediterranean in this four-star hotel with your wife, you know, to speak at this, this conference? I was like, yeah, let me pray about it. He said, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I go to this camp, right? Everything's beautiful. Everything's wonderful. It's about 650, you know, high school students. They're all military kids from the U.S. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I remember the, the first night, the, the leaders said, hey, hey, Francis, what we want you to do this first night is just tell a bunch of stories. You know, just, just joke around with the kids. Have fun with them. Let them know who you are. Don't get too into the Bible or anything like that. Just, you know, build relationship that first night. You know, tell your best stories, your funniest ones. It's like, all right, all right. You know, so I get up and do my little stand-up routine. And then, uh, you know, because that's what they asked for. You know, they, they want me to get into work. Next, next day, a couple kids, you know, go into town, rent, rent mopeds. And uh, one of them, when he kick-started his little moped, it shot him out in the street. And a truck hits him. And he dies. 16-year-old kid. And I'll never forget, you know, sitting in the staff meeting. We're, we're trying to, you know, figure out what we're going to do for the evening. And we get this phone call from the hospital that says, uh, Matt's dead. And I thought, no way. He was just in he was just in the meeting last night. He was just here. He's 16 years old. You don't die at 16 years old. Nothing happens at a camp. I mean, this is this is spring break. They're just going out and having a good time. And then boom, it's over. And I'll never forget how that hit me. So it reminded me, wait a second. He was here one second and then now he's gone and he is somewhere else for all of eternity. I tell you, I never go to a camp and on the first night just tell a bunch of stories anymore. I don't care what the leaders ask for. Tell them ahead of time, you don't let me present the gospel that first night, I'm not coming. You give me the freedom to say what I need to say. Because there's no guarantees of tomorrow. I have no idea where Matt is. In fact, I have my doubts that he's in heaven with God today. Messing around drinking that morning and that's kind of what led to the accident. But it, it, it just hit me so hard because he was somewhere else for all of eternity. That was it. That was his last chance. And it killed me that I said nothing. You see, because while our life here on earth is short and it's like this vapor, that short period of time is so important because it determines our eternity. You know, this, this, uh, I've got this rope. Imagine, uh, imagine this rope just goes forever and ever, okay? And you guys know what timelines are, you know, the timelines that says this happened on this date and then this date, this date, this date. Imagine this were a timeline, this rope. Let's say it just went around the earth 10 million times and, uh, and the sun. And, uh, and it just went on forever and ever and ever. 
And that this rope was a timeline of your existence. This was a timeline to mark out your existence. It just went on forever and ever. See this little red part in the beginning? This would represent your time on earth. You exist for a few years here on this earth, and then comes millions and millions and millions of years of existence in eternity. And what the Bible teaches is that what you do on this little red part will determine how you exist for all of eternity. That there are things that you and I can do and sacrifice here that we will be rewarded a hundredfold in the life to come. Things that we do now that will cause us to have treasures in heaven for all of eternity. And yet what most people do is all they think about is this red part. All we focus on is, ooh, I can't wait till I get here. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? Is I'm going to save up my whole life. So right here when I retire, this part right here from here to here, that's going to be incredible. <laughs> I'm going to work my whole life for this part right here. I'm going to save up. You guys, that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. To be so focused on this red part, I'm saying, what about all of this? Does it even enter your mind? What have you done this year that you will see beyond here? Is there anything you have done this year that's of any eternal significance? Think about it. Just, just think about the whole last year. Is there anything you did that you'll see the results of in eternity? Or is everything just going to burn right here? You guys, our, our lives are so brief. You can be looking at me today, and I could be gone tomorrow. There's no guarantee. We make these plans for the future. Well, when I get over here, then that's when I really pursue ministry. That's when I really do something for God. What are you talking about? God wants us today. Man, I, I understand that um, a lot of you are here to prepare for your future. But I know that Westmont College is not wanting you just to think about the future, but they want you to think about the here and now. And say, what are you doing for the kingdom today? It's not just about once you get the degree, because you don't know that that day will ever come. It's not about once I get my family, once I do this and that. What are you doing for the kingdom today? What have you done that's of any eternal significance? Or is it all going to burn? Because if you, you look at your life right now and you say, man, I can't think of anything I've done in my life that's going to have any eternal result that I'll be rewarded for in heaven, then you've wasted your whole life so far. You've only got a brief period of time here. And you guys, I don't need to tell you this stuff. You guys all know people who have died this last year. That was unexpected. I mean, I've done more funerals for people under 40 than people over. Just constantly. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, 
you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. James says, you, you got to quit making these plans for yourselves. Instead, you ought to say, if God allows it, if God permits it, if God wills it, then this will happen. But for me to say anything outside of that statement would be arrogant. For me to tell you, you guys, after chapel today, I'm going to go to lunch. It's arrogant. Do I have any guarantee that I'm going to live through the rest of this chapel? No. Only if God in heaven right now says, I'm going to allow Francis to live another hour, then I'll be able to leave this chapel, walk out of this room, and go to lunch. Only if the Lord wills, I'll do this or that. For me to say anything other than that would be, would be boasting. It'd be arrogant for me to tell you, tomorrow I'm going to wake up, brush my teeth. What an arrogant statement. He says, no, you've got to remember there's a God in heaven right now. Right now, this very second, you guys, there's a being in heaven who determines whether or not you and I live through the rest of this chapel. And we need to acknowledge that. To recognize it's not about us. My life is a vapor. My body is so fragile. And there's a being in heaven right now, that it, and it's all up to him. He can do anything that he wants. And to acknowledge him. Oh, we're here on this little earth. You know, I, I was reading uh, this thing about the Hubble Space Telescope. And it's saying that it's sending back images to us of galaxies that are six billion miles away. Six, no, six billion light years away. Okay, light years is about 12 uh, trillion miles. Okay? So that means there are galaxies. Think about this right now. As you're on this little earth, there are galaxies that are six billion times 12 trillion. Has anyone got that number in their head? Six billion times 12 trillion miles away are galaxies that God has created. Think about that. Six billion times 12 trillion miles away are these galaxies that God has created. Here we are, this little speck on this earth, flying around a ball of fire. And some of us walk in here like we're someone. Look at me. Look how well, you know, I can throw a ball in a hoop. Look how fast I can run on this little speck. Look at my grades. Look how good I look. Are you kidding me? Gosh, any time you, you want to humble yourself, just look up in the sky. And the heavens that declare the glory of God and picture yourself on this little earth. And remember, there's a creator behind all of that. And don't you dare take, take a, all the attention to yourself, but constantly pushing people away and saying, look at him. Who am I, this little speck on the earth that's a vapor on this earth? And my sole duty is to point people toward that God, to draw attention to him. 
those are the things that we'll receive the eternal reward for. Then he ends it by saying, after he says all such boasting is evil, he says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. So after he talks about just how fragile your life is, and how it's all up to this God, and you to humble yourself before this God, don't become arrogant, recognize we're nothing. Okay, I am nothing, you're nothing. There's this God in heaven, he is everything. We're a little speck on the earth that could end any second if God decides so. It is all about him. It is not about you. And he ends that by saying, anyone that knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. In other words, go and do what you need to do. Go do what is right. You know what God's calling you to do. You just do it. Anything less than that is sin. Some of you have the greatest opportunity right now at your age, at your stage of life, because... You have no idea how much freedom you have. You know, I, I just did... A, the strongest strongest ministry in my church right now is the, is the college ministry. College students. Chuck, my college pastor, is with me today. A group of like 30 kids that he started with about 20, two years ago. About two years ago, and now there's about five or 600 every Sunday night. And these students are just on fire. College students... I just did their camp a few a couple months ago in Utah. And I tell you, you know, it's, it's like 11 o'clock at night and some of them want to get baptized. Okay, let's have a baptism. You know, and then they go, you know, we want to have a worship time. So they start worshiping. Then it's like, oh, we want to get into Bible studies. Okay, it's, it's 3 a.m. Everywhere we went, someone was sharing their faith with someone else. Everyone's doing something. Friday nights for fun. They just go out to Santa Monica and just get a guitar and just draw a crowd and start sharing their faith. Just make a bunch of sandwiches, just start passing it out to the homeless on the street and start telling them about Jesus. There's so much freedom during those years. It's so different working with college students because in, in high school, it's like, oh, my mom won't let me out. My mom says this and that. You don't have that. When you get older, it's like, oh, my wife won't let me go. You know, it just, it just changes, you know? You know, you get to all these things and you're working with all these adults and I'm like, Chuck, I, I just... I envy you, I told him at that camp. There's just so much I'm jealous of because you're working with these people that can do anything they want right now. They're free to minister however they want. And Satan would love for you to waste these years thinking you're just preparing for the future rather than saying, I have the greatest opportunity now to make an impact. Now's the time. What type of impact are you going to leave on this earth? What are you going to accomplish during this red part that you'll see in all of eternity? I tell you, you know who, who turned our, our youth group around? Our, our high school youth group was a freshman girl, 14 years old, that transformed our group. Her name was Brooke. Brooke, though, the reason why she had such an impact is that she, in her mind, said, I want to have an impact on this earth. In fact, I was reading one of the essays she wrote when she was in sixth grade. Okay, when she was in sixth grade, I, I brought the essay with me. It's called, Since I Have My Life Before Me. She's in elementary school when she wrote this. She says, I'll live my life to the fullest. I'll be happy. I'll brighten up. I'll be more joyful than I've ever been. I'll be kind to others. I will tell others about Christ. I will go on adventures and change the world. I'll be bold and not change who I really am. You see, I'll be one of those people who live to be history makers at a young age. Oh, I'll have moments, good and bad, but I'll wipe away the bad and only remember the good. I'll be one of those people who goes somewhere with a mission 
an awesome plan, a world-changing plan, and nothing will hold me back. I'll set an example for others. I'll pray for direction. I have my life before me. I'll give others the joy I have, and God will give me more. I will do everything God tells me to do. I will follow the footsteps of God. I will do my best. By Brooke Bronkowski, she hands that in to her sixth-grade teacher in public school. Says, this is what my life's about. Junior high comes around, and she just goes for it. Starts Bible studies on her public campus. In fact, youth pastors hear about her, this little girl that's just trying to change her world. And they send boxes of Bibles to her house. Cases of Bibles so she can give them out to her friends because she didn't have any, you know, just her babysitting money, you know. So she could, she could give these Bibles to her friends. 14 years old, she's a freshman in high school. She starts impacting her campus. Everyone knows Brooke, even though she's a freshman. About a year ago, Brooke was in a car going out with some friends got in an accident, she's in the back seat, and Brooke died. I had the honor of doing Brooke's memorial service, and uh, there was a group larger than this there, high school students, bawling their eyes out from this public school. I had some Bibles on the front of the stage that were Brooke's Bibles, still had hundreds of them left. And I told them these were meant for her friends. She tried to get them out to all of you. But you guys know what she stood for. It was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus Christ and how you need to give your life to him and follow him. You saw her life. If you do not know Jesus Christ and you want, you want him in your life, you want what Brooke had, then I invite you to come up, get on your knees, and just beg God to come into your life. Apologize for your sin. Accept his sacrifice. And that morning, about three, four hundred students came forward, got on their knees, passed Bibles to all of them, gave their lives to the Lord. It was incredible. It was the most amazing, most spiritual service I have ever been to because of the testimony of that little girl who said, I'm going to change the world. You see, I'll be one of those people who live to be history makers at a young age. At age 14, Brooke led about 300 of her friends to the Lord. She made history at a young age. She had a vision. She had a direction. If you were to die today, what would your memorial service look like? Who will you have impacted? Who'd be there? Your mom? A couple friends? What's your life about? It's not about being comfortable here on this earth and just doing what's fun. God's placed me on this earth to make some noise, to make a difference wherever I go, to do something that's eternal. And so while I'm here on this earth, I'm going to say what I need to say, do what I need to do, and do it as soon as possible because I have no guarantee that I've got tomorrow. What are you going to do today that's of any eternal significance? Would you bow your heads right now and just... Picture yourself on a, this tiny earth 
flying around the sun. Picture yourself on that little speck. Knowing that there's a God who created all these galaxies six billion times 12 trillion miles away and there's a God beyond all of that. Speak to him right now from this little speck. Just ask him to give you direction on what he wants you to do today and this week. Father, we recognize that it is an absolute act of you that we can live and breathe on this earth right now. We acknowledge you, the God of wonders, beyond this galaxy that is all about you. God, we recognize that the only way we'll make it out of this room is if you allow it. Our lives are vapors here on this earth. So while we are here, God, may we speak well of you. Do things that matter. Do things that have eternal significance. Forgive us for the times when we make plans that we don't run by you first. Or make plans assuming that we can accomplish them without you. It is all up to you, and we just acknowledge that before you today. Please guide us through this day. Lead us to do what we need to do while we're still here on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys are dismissed.